Okay, so praise the Lord. We are still continuing our journey, if you will, through the Gospel of Mark. I've been having a great time myself, personally, in the Gospel of Mark. And you know, this is, uh, what, New Year's Eve, right? Today's New Year's Eve, and uh, we're about to approach a new year. And there's a lot of things that can be said. In the incident we're going to look at that's recorded by Mark only today, is we're going to look at that, and I want to be able to uh, pull from that uh, things that we can equip ourselves for this coming year. And we'll reflect on the things that we did or didn't do this year as we look at what took place in, these, in this passage that we're going to look at uh, and, and carry that for the, Lord, for, the, for the year. And as I'm saying about just looking at the book of Mark, I've been enjoying it because it's so quick and it's so concise, I guess, and as you study it, of course. As we start the new year, oftentimes it's, uh, you know, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't, you don't finish it. And, you know, I think a lot of us are guilty of that. But we give it a, a good shot and, and you know, give it a good shot. But you know what? At the very least, read the book of Mark for this year. Yeah, the whole year, read a book of Mark. And it just introduces you to the life and times and the activity of Christ. Compassion, his love, his heart. And there's just so much there. And so I want to be able to pull something out today in a passage of scripture that we're going to look through. And there's about six, I think I have a half a dozen here, six points that I want to bring to our attention looking at this past year and how we've done or what we've done and how we can fix that for the upcoming year. The title of this message is Removing the Spiritual Blinders. So we are in Mark chapter 8. And this incident that we see recorded is only recorded by Mark. And it's unique in that way, <clears throat> but not in how Jesus uh, operates, as we'll see. So far, what we've seen with Christ is in our studies of Mark is we see that Jesus, we, we talked about these specifically, how Jesus spoke of what defiles a man, the heart, how things come out of the heart. He also, we also looked at uh, the Syrophoenician woman who had a, a, a daughter who was... Um, tormented by a demon, and how Jesus worked with this Gentile. And then we see where Jesus heals this deaf and mute man, which kind of relates to what we're going to get to right now. What we're going to be reading is Mark uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 22, beginning at verse 22. And then previous to that, or after that, we see that he feeds the 4,000. And with the 4,000, after he leaves there, he shows up to Jewish territory, and he's confronted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's tested. And it was no mistake what they were trying to do. It was probably trying to, uh, uh, to belittle him in front of the people. And they demanded a sign from the Lord. They demanded a sign from heaven from him. And then Jesus goes on, and we looked at Jesus warning his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because we see the picture of how a little leaven in the lump ruins the entire bread, in the, the, the loaf. So when we see this, it's important to remember how Jesus had just warned to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then we go and to chapter 8, verse 22. And if you look at uh, chapter 8, verse 22, we're going to begin there. Oh, before we begin there, previous to that, when I mentioned he, he healed a deaf and mute man, uh, there's a lot of similarities with that healing, which is in Mark 7, 34, 36, around there. And then we get to this one. The, the man was a deaf mute. He was brought to Jesus by people. Jesus got him and removed him from the crowds. Jesus used his saliva in this healing process. He touched the man, and he told him to keep it private after he healed him. So there's a lot of similarities in what we're going to see right now. So if you would turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and we have the verses on the wall for you. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. <clears throat> Let's begin. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So... We'll stop here already because there's, there's a lot to unfold. There's a lot to unfold in each verse as we're going to go. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people, these people are the ones that I want to bring your attention to. They brought him a blind man. And this blindness is, blind, blindness is often used as a metaphor for understanding. So keep that in mind. They brought this blind man, and they begged him. They implored him to touch him. 
They implored him, parakaleo in the Greek, and that means to call near, to appeal, to beg. They wanted Jesus to touch this man, to heal him. Jesus had a reputation. The word was out on how Jesus heals, that he does heal, that he will work with Gentiles, that he has compassion as he looked upon the people when he fed the 4,000. They looked like sheep without a shepherd, and it speaks of his compassion. And so here these people, they bring this guy. And this man who is blind, this guy, unlike the mute deaf guy, this guy literally needed to be led or brought to Jesus. And that's key. Because somebody had to get him and guide him to the Lord. So these people, these some people, who were they? Why are they important? Well, they brought this man for healing. They introduced him to Jesus. And so these people, we need to know more about these people, but they're unnamed. They're unnamed, they're unsung heroes, if you, if you ask me, because they were selfless. They sacrificed an opportunity for themselves to see Jesus, to speak with him, to converse with him, to bring their things to him. But they brought this guy to Jesus. They sacrificially brought this man to him. They put this guy first. Some people... And so looking at these, some people, I was just recently sick. And uh, <clears throat> that's not to prove it. That's because I've been holding them in, my coughs. <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was sick. I was, it was, uh, I mean, my son would look at me and laugh. And I'm like, what are you laughing? I feel like I'm dying. And he just goes, <laughs> and walked by as I would live in my office at home. But I was terrible. I, mean, I think it really, literally was the most I've ever been sick in my life. I had to have my lungs x-rayed and everything because I thought, I'm going down. And, uh, but so when I was sick and I was breathing and I, it didn't, I could hear my everything, and I remember praying and I said, Lord, I'm going to pray for everyone else. I, I, I'm going to start with myself, but I'm going to pray for people while I'm sick. And so I... I, I said, Lord, get me through this. this is, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of what's going on in my lungs. And, uh, and I said, but okay. So Lord, I pray for my sister who's going through a, a, a surgical procedure and whatever. And then next thing you know, I'm saying, Lord, get me through this. Help me through this. And I kept coming, defaulting back to myself. I was acting unlike these some people because I, was, I kept re reverting to myself. But my heart was to pray for everyone and I did. I got through it, but I was in there all in between, like spacer of each prayer. But here, these some people is the first thing I want to bring to our attention about 2023 and 2024 going forward is being like these people. Because these people stand out to me. Our priority going into the new year should be like these people, bringing people to Jesus, pointing people to Christ. Letting people know that they need a Savior. Helping them understand who Jesus is. You know, there's a passage in Mark uh, chapter 10. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And this specifically we could see, speaking of, of parents, when it comes to bringing people to the Lord. You see, it was customary when they brought people to the Lord, or the children to the Lord, their parents would do it. Look at Mark uh, 10, 13. It says, And they... And that's the parents, usually. The parents, because they would bring their children to a rabbi, and so they were bringing them to Jesus. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not inherit it, will not enter it at all. And in verse 16, it says, And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Placing his hands on the children and blessing them. That was customary. And so we see this. There's a beautiful thing taking place with this man. Jesus is touching him. He is blessing him and about to heal him. So what is it that we need to do? Is I ask you this. is Throughout 2023... Can you look back and say, I've had people, I purposely had people in my life that would point me to Jesus when I needed to hear it. And if not, 
Well, 2024, we need to surround ourselves with people like that. People that will point us to Jesus during our times of trial, our disappointments, our hurts, our pains, our illnesses, just like these guys. So number one point that I have for you is to be some people and to have some people in your life. Be like these guys and have people like that surrounded and your year will be that much better. Now, what's taking place here with this, this man is he's blind. And so he's hindered in many ways. And so we need to recognize something here in this passage is God uses difficult things in our life to reveal himself. He uses difficult trials in people's lives for us as an opportunity to bring them and point them to Christ, just like these some people. We could have, from 2023, you may have had an illness, a letdown, a disappointment. It may have lasted quite some time. It could be an injury that you're still dealing with, a death in the family, someone you've loved and, and you've lost them. And so we need to, my second point so in this, is that we need to allow trials to grow us, to grow our trust in the Lord, to strengthen our trust in the Lord. You know, people go through a lot of difficult times, and oftentimes it is, can be, and should be used to quicken the heart towards the Lord. You know, when you've dealt with people who are dying, they're, they've been diagnosed, they have days, they have months, whatever it is, they begin to recognize that they need a Savior that there's more to life than all the things that I've gathered throughout my lifetime. And it's an opportunity when someone is dealing with an illness, when we are dealing with a, a situation, any type of trial that's overwhelming us, is for us to trust the Lord. It's an opportunity to grow in our relationship with the Lord. You know, in fact, in Ecclesiastes 7.2, here's a verse that is often used at memorial services. And that verse is, it reads this way, it's better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. So that principle becomes alive when we look at this guy. He's blind. You might be dealing with whatever, fill in the blank. And, and at that point, it causes us to realize, you know what's important is, is eternity. Life with the, the Lord. So that principle comes alive. Psalm 90, verse 12 says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So our prayer should be this coming year is that when we're working with people who are going through trials, when we are dealing with personal trials, that, we, that they point us to the Lord that we don't get so distracted and caught up in the, in the situation or that person's pain and suffering, though we are compassionate, but we use it to point them to the Lord. We use it to direct ourselves to the Lord so that our relationship with him is more dynamic, it's real, and it's personal. So we always need to be pointing to Jesus, and that can be a task in itself. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. We need to always be pointing to Jesus even when we're not aware of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says this, you yourselves, are, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. So Paul's writing this and he's basically saying, listen, you, we have taught you, we've trained you, and you represent Christ. And people everywhere are reading you by your lifestyle, your life, how you live your life. Verse 3, and you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not by ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, so that so, uh, living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So 24-7, we are ministers, we are ambassadors to Christ. And we need to keep that in mind going forward in this year. How am I representing Christ when I don't even open my mouth? And what I mean by that is how am I living my life? How do people see Christ in me? Do they see Christ in me? You know, we're either drawing people 
to the Lord or perhaps leading them away because they want to be nothing like us. Because maybe we don't know how to have tact when we share the scriptures. Maybe we don't know how to be compassionate like Christ. This is where understanding the word, learning the life of Christ, and seeing how he loves and how he operates with people can cause us to, to, to uh, repeat that kind of behavior, to allow it to equip us to act the same way towards people who are hurting. So 24-7, we need to guard ourselves from things. We need to guard ourselves from being something that, that draws people away from Christ. We need to realize that we are ministers wherever we are. And I, and I mean when you don't have a tract in your hand, when you're not behind a microphone, when you're not at church, but when you're out in life, in the workplace, dealing with life, that you represent Christ well. We need to guard ourselves from things of being, uh, uh, having a critical spirit. Oh, that person's sick. Well, maybe it's because of this, or maybe you're that, or maybe if you had Christ in your life, you wouldn't be in this sin. And that we come across so critical and so judgmental that they don't see Christ. So we need to guard ourselves. This is a task for us. The third thing that I want to bring to your attention is that we improve or increase our evangelism, our ministry to the world, that we represent Christ well. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. It says this. Paul's writing again to the church of, at Corinth. For though, I am, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win more. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, to those who are without the law as without as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. In verse 22, he says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. Finding a point of contact with people. I have nothing in common with this guy. I do. He has a soul, and it's going one place, heaven or hell. And I have a role to play in that, in representing Christ to him. I have to find a way to point of contact. I've said it many times, is you may, maybe you both like cars, maybe you're both artists, whatever it is, we need to become all things to all people. Realize that that person was brought up in a certain way, that he has, we, we're just brought up differently. I need to learn to relate to this person we need to be like Christ. And we need to recognize that we are letters written. And people are reading us every day. And people are reading us and they're waiting for that chapter where you blow it. So they can justify their sin. When they say, there's Steve's just like me. He's no different. Why be a Christian? I live like that. He lives like that. Hey, there's no change needed. So we need to guard ourselves this year. 2024, increase or increase and improve our evangelism so that we make sure that we are relating to people. Jesus, when he touched this person, it meant everything to him. He's blind. He, the, he heals him, of course. But to become all things, Jesus touching this guy had to mean so much. Number one, he was touching his eyes. He knew saliva was being used. And so he knew that he was being healed, but he was being touched. These guys, these people, were bringing him to Jesus, and they were imploring him, begging him to touch him with a healing hand. So we need to also understand that Jesus could have just said to be healed and healed him. But he went through this process that people were familiar with. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 23. Mark chapter 8, verse 23. It says, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? Beautiful question. 
Do you see anything when we look at the greater picture of blindness, of the world perhaps being blind, us being blind to certain things in our lives? Recognizing when you hear the Lord ask, do you see anything? When the Lord is working in our lives, he is constantly saying, do you see anything? What are we seeing? Are we seeing opportunity to grow? Are we seeing our failures? Are we seeing our blind spots? So Jesus, his actions are incredible. Now, he had spit and he laid his hands on his eyes and he did that in the Greek simultaneously. He spit on the man and touched his eyes at the same time. This guy knew what was happening because with saliva, it was understand, generally believed, that saliva had healing properties. So Jesus knows it doesn't have healing properties. but He's the healer. But he knows that this person will relate to medical procedures, if you will. And so he gains this guy's confidence. And he goes through the motions of saliva and touching his eyes. But even before that, Jesus holds the man's hand. You know, man, if that doesn't make you just... Just, it causes my heart to rejoice. When I see Jesus working, he holds the man hand and he leads the man. This is very personal. It's intimate. Much like our relationship should be with the Lord. To recognize that when we're hurting, when we're in need, and he's about to ask us if we see anything, he gets us by the hand. He leads us away from something. He leads us away from the distractions. He leads us away from the things that we're worried about, maybe the way we think it should work or how I should be or how it should pan out. He leads us away in our time of prayer and it's him and it's he and him. It's us. And he has you in his care. This is powerful. And this is probably the most powerful point today and that we're looking at in, in how Jesus is operating. He holds the man's hand. He leads the person. The guy allows him to be led by the Lord. He leads him out of the village. Why out of the village? This is the second time. When he healed the deaf and mute guy, he got him and he took him away from the crowds, it says. And here it says he led him out of the village. Come with me, you and me, let's talk. Do you see anything? Why is this so significant? You know, sometimes we need to get away from opinions that are in our head, thoughts that are in our own minds that we bring up, influences like beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, as we talked about last time, the influence that they would have and they were trying to have on the people to dissuade them from the Lord. Distractions. Oftentimes in our life, you look at 2023 and you, you could probably take note is how many times did I allow the Lord to remove those distractions from my life? How many times did I run to the Lord to get away from the distractions? And if, it, if it's minimal, then we increase it for 2024. As 2024 unfolds, we have no idea what it has in store for us uh, as far as Laws, well, we kind of do. Laws and, and health, and, but our own personal situations, our relationships, our marriages, our children, our health. We don't know how these things are going to unfold, but oftentimes we get caught up and we're, we're blinded by them. And we, this number four, is we, we, what we need to do is we need to deal with spiritual blinders. Because when we're caught up in all the distractions, we're blinding ourselves. We're putting on these blinders and we don't see the big picture. We don't see the picture or the Lord. You know, there's many distractions in life. I shared this before. As a kid, I maybe was, I don't even know, a little guy, nine, nine years old, I don't know, something like that. And I was attending school, my brother as well. And uh, it was an opportunity where Jesus kind of led me out of my village. And he led me out of the neighborhood growing up in, in L.A., and we couldn't afford this camp that the school was having or something. And a teacher paid for my brother and I and sent us to this camp, and it was a Christian camp. I had no idea. Parents didn't know, I'm sure. And it was amazing. 
I get there, I'm sitting away from this neighborhood that I know, and I'm introduced to Christianity. Everybody loved the Lord there, all the leadership. And it was just a beautiful, it was something I've never seen before. I was amazed. I was in awe. I thought to myself, this is cool, man. This is a, a fun life. I was, as a boy, I was happy. I, was, I felt like it was amazing to me. It was like uh, just a dream. And it created a desire in me. Seeds were planted. I knew about Christ. I loved reading chick tracks, and I loved the artwork in them. And the stories were kind of funny and cool, and, you know, you need Jesus as Savior. So I knew all these things, and there was the first night, campfire and little amphitheater, and there, an invitation to Christ. Might have been nine. I think I was nine. And I remember that call. And I thought, I want this. I want to live this life. I mean, look how happy these people are. How friendly people are. And they had the altar call. And I was with my older brother. And I, I was, people were asked to stand up if they wanted to receive Christ. And I wanted to stand up. I was ready to go. But I was distracted as whether or not where my brother would stand up. If he stood up, I'm standing up. He didn't stand up, so I didn't stand up. But seeds were planted that day, and I wanted that type of life. And so throughout our lives, there's going to be opportunities where we, we're getting there. Jesus is working with you. He's leading you. He's touching you. And the questions are going to be asked this year in many areas of our life, if not when it comes to salvation, whether you know Christ or not, or there's areas that you're not letting go of, sin, areas of your life. And the Lord is going to ask, do you see anything? Do you like what you see? Christ, in exchange for all that junk. And so we are going to have, throughout our lives, this opportunity to surrender to the Lord for salvation, to give up these things that we may not be letting go, when he says, do you see anything? When he's leading us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. The New Living Translation says it this way. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand. This message about the glory of Christ. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is in the exact likeness of God. Blinded. That Greek word is tufloo, tufloo, and it means to make blind, to blunt mental discernment, to darken the mind. And throughout our lives, it's the enemy's job to darken our minds, to distract us. And he's constantly either trying to keep the blinders on people or get us to put blinders on and become distracted from the Lord. So it's important to understand something here, that we are dealing with whatever blinders you have in your life right now. Whether it's not having a relationship with Christ, or as a believer, dealing with, hanging on to things and you're not dealing with them yet. We need to deal with them. We need to watch and understand that the enemy's job is to blind us. Having those, some people in our lives can help us in these areas by saying, Steve... I need to bring something to your attention. I don't think you'd know this. But, and then they tell me about my spiritual blinders. I need these kinds of people in my life. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. When we make that decision to deal with our blinders, when we make that decision to follow Christ, we need to be decisive. As a matter of fact, I'm going to follow Christ. 16, verse, uh, 6 verse 17 says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Come out. Exercomai. Exercomai is the word in the Greek, come out. And it means to leave a place of their own accord. For me to leave somewhere, not to be taken out of there, and well, I have no choice. My parents are moving me away to get me out of trouble. It's that person saying, I'm getting away from trouble. My own accord, I'm going to leave a place. 
metaphorically, is to go out of an assembly or to forsake it, to go forth from someone's power, to escape it to a, a place of safety. And so when we look at this passage and we say, well, come out, to leave a place of our own accord. Therefore, come out among, from among unbelievers. Come out from among the whatever blinders, that, distractions that are plaguing your life right now. Be, and it says to separate yourselves. That word separate is yaforizo in the Greek. Aforizo, it means to mark off from others by boundaries. To limit, to separate. In a good way, it means to set a point for, appointed for a purpose. But to make, to mark off from others by boundaries. So we can fail big time as believers by not creating boundaries in our lives. By not saying, you know, I won't go there, or I won't go there in my conversation, or my thoughts, or physically, perhaps. Not setting boundaries is dangerous. Because if you don't have boundaries, everything's going to bleed and blend together. You ever play, the, as a kid, uh, lava? You know, jumping from the sofa to the chair and staying off the lava? And those are boundaries. We want to live that way, if you will, and avoid the lava. Avoid, create boundaries and say, okay, only this you could touch and touch. Okay, now let's play. Because we know what happens when you fail in the, in the game of lava. Well, the game of life is no different. And it's not a game when we fall into the lake of fire, if you will. So look at Mark chapter 1, verse 16 making a decisive decision to follow Christ. It says this. <clears throat> Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, uh, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, says immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. Fishermen. And immediately he called them, and, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants and followed him. I see this as a beautiful picture of saying, you know what, forsaking something for Christ. I am just going to leave this life. Now, they're fishermen, it's, it's a livelihood, but what I'm referring to is the things in life that, that drag us down, the things that are hindering us, our walk, our relationship with Christ. That same picture we need to see take place when saying, I'm drawing a line, a boundary. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be decisive, and I'm going to deal with those spiritual blinders, whatever they may be whether it's not knowing Christ at all or things that you're, you're dealing with, you're struggling with. So throughout our walk, we too may need to be dropping our nets, things that we're hanging on to, things that we think we need when it's Christ who we need that'll solve our problems. And we need to be like these guys and this beautiful picture of immediately dropping their nets and, and going forward. You know, <clears throat> years later, after that uh, first opportunity, I guess you could say, when I was at camp to receive Christ, uh, years and years later, in 94, I received Christ. And you know, it took place, and this passage is beautiful to me, Mark 1.16, of how you see these fishermen just dropping everything and going and following him. Matthew as well in his situation. But I, you know, myself, years later, it was, uh, I got, Carol and I, long story short, you know, it was a radical uh, altar call, salvation, and on, on. And we received the Lord, and, and shortly then we were, we were due to relocate with our company, to relocate to Dallas, Texas. And um, from March, got saved in March 94, relocated in May. And my issue, my problem uh, in life of partying and everything was with family. But the timing of getting saved and then being uh, uh, relocated to Texas, it removed me from whatever distractions, whatever temptations may have plagued me had I stayed. 
But I, I can relate to this passage of being led and just following Christ to a whole new state. And it was just Carol, myself. Carol was pregnant, as we found out shortly. And the Lord, the three of us. Leaving all the distractions that were plaguing my life to be surrounded with uh, church family, church attendance, learning to worship, and, and, and just studying the word was my, my new life. And it just when we make that decisive, that decision, a decisive decision to follow Christ, that it's this real, that we just drop the things that are plaguing us, that we remove those distractions. We allow Christ to lead us out of that village, to lead us away from those distractions, whatever it is within those crowds that is a distraction to you. Now, look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Removing these spiritual uh, or bad distractions, bad spiritual blinders, if you will. And you'll see what I mean by bad. In, in, in Colossians 3, 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. We need to make this be decisive. We need to remove these things that are obviously bad distractions, bad practices, bad spiritual blinders. To we, as we put away all these things, impurities, anger, um, malice, as we put away all this sexual immorality and on and on and on, we then become victorious. We then can respond to the Holy Spirit. We then can grow by the Spirit. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. And you know what? All of us can say before Christ, our thinking was so skewed. Before Christ, we thought everything we were doing seemed right. So I'll do it. It seems right if I do this. Why not? And we didn't weigh things out against the scriptures. We didn't know the Lord. And now that we know the Lord and we look at the things that we were doing, we know we just thought they seemed right. And but we, could, we could get to that place even in our walks now where I, I think this seems right because I didn't take it to the Lord. I didn't understand the scriptures about it. And I made a Steve decision, not led by Christ. Man, I think of the fact that when, when Carol and I, we got saved, and, and, and I thank the Lord that the timing of um, uh, the birth of our children, uh, Lauren and Jonathan, uh, after being saved, because my thinking of what raising children was, was horrible. I would have destroyed my children because my thinking was, I, it seemed right. After all, I was brought up this way. This is the way you do things in my neighborhood so that I will raise my children like this. And when I found the Lord, and I, I, I could easily reflect on it because we're going to have a child, and I thought, Lord, help me. Help me through this. And uh, I thank the Lord for that. So in... Um, if we do not deal with these hard and fast spiritual blinders, these distractions that are listed here, as I, I will call bad distractions, uh, um, the destructive uh, distractions, look at James chapter 1, verse 14. This is basically what happens to us if we go to 2024 and we don't remove or don't deal with the distractions. It's verse 14, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is what will take place with, in our lives if we don't deal with the distractions that I'm, I'm referring to up here in Colossians chapter 3. The stands out on this verse to me is a couple of words, lured and enticed. These words in the Greek are used to describe um, an animal being lured and trapped, and dragged away. Lured into a trap, caught into it, whatever, and then taken away. 
like a fish being uh, caught, lured by bait. It means to be duped by the use of something like bait in a trap or on the hook. And then it means a picture of dragging its prey away and being removed from its proper environment. So if you think of the fish in the lake where he belongs, we know we belong with the Lord. But the enemy comes and he baits that hook. And he knows whatever it is that your own desires are. Whatever bait he uses for me won't look like what he uses for you or you. And then he tries to bait us. And once we take that bait, we're dragged out of our proper environment. It's the enemy's job, it's his goal to distract us, to lure us away, to dupe us, to fool us, to cause us to be distracted. You know, I kind of have a celebrity living in my home now. Not, not Johnny, he, he's cool and all, but... But not Johnny, but Mello. And Mello will, will, you know, he's got a mind of his own, but he's been trained, and Johnny's his handler. And uh, so whatever Mello's there, and Mello, you place, because he's going to eat, or he's going to get a toy, or he's going to go outside, whatever it is that Johnny's trying to, in stages. And I'm across the room, and I look at Mello, and I go, hey, hey. And he gets up. John says, place. He goes back down. He thinks I'm going to give him a treat. He thinks I'm going to let him outside. And I'm trying to purposely distract Mello. Carol's saying, well, how are you doing that? What are you doing? You're going to get him in trouble. And so I see this all played out with <laughs> the enemy, I guess, and Mello. And he should not be distracted. But the distractions are good in his case because he learns to avoid the distractions. Oh, yeah, they're tempting. Oh, I, sh- I want that, but no, because Johnny is saying not to. But when the Lord is telling us to stay away from certain things, don't look over there. Don't look at that distraction. And we often are like mellow, and we're like, okay, okay, no, no. And we're like, I mean, his hips move, and he's just so funny. And Carol's begging, stop, we're going to get him in trouble. And so, but I know it's good for him. But it's good for us, too, to practice righteousness. And, And what I mean by that is, yeah, there's going to be distractions. There's going to be the constant distractions and the bait and the luring. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord so that we avoid and we don't get in trouble with these kind of bad uh, blinders. Now, there's different types of blinders, and here's some innocent ones. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Innocent, if you will, and you'll understand what I mean by that compared to what we just looked at. Sexual immorality, lying, anger, and all that. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All your needs, uh, your food, and, and, and your cares of the day. So, <clears throat> so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry. We could find ourselves worrying about tomorrow, worrying about 2024. Well, the, the, the new law is this, and now this is going to happen in California. We get all the worst ones, right? This is going to happen now, and this is going to happen. And yeah, those are a bummer. They are a bummer. And if we focus on them and live on it, then that becomes our ministry. That becomes the focus of our heart. That becomes our distraction. That could become our spiritual blinder. So we need to just let tomorrow handle itself. But sometimes we're just overly concerned about tomorrow, and we allow it to distract us from the Lord when we could be more productive for the Lord. Look at this in Luke chapter 10. Here's a practical example. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this. Now, as they went on, and we're speaking of Mary and Martha, uh, friends of, of, of Jesus. And now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She was preparing a big dinner. The Lord's here, and she's getting things all done, set up, cooked, whatever. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to, um, I'm sorry, yes, left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Marsha, Marsha. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) For you Brady Bunch fans, he says, 
Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Don't sweat the small stuff. There's a lot of things for us to worry about, think about, and what have you. But you know what? There's got to be a balance. There Now, I'll say this. Church service today, a lot goes into it. There's a lot of cleaning that took place this week. There's greeting at the door. There's making sure the sound works and, and what have you. All the things that need to be taking place, take, take place. And we don't, we don't want to be over-concerned about it, but enough that it's taken care of. Let's say we run out of tissues in the bathroom, and Steve's all mad, and he's angry. How could we allow this to happen? Steve, just add some more. Just put some more. There's no need to get all flustered about it and what have you. Instead, just take care of what needs to be done. You know, a great balance that I see all every year is with the, um, our women's retreat uh, coordinators. They are, they are diligent with their preparation. I see it firsthand because of Carol and all that she does and all that they do. And, and I, I probably am annoying sometimes because I laugh. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's, well, I'm, I'm attaching these things. I'm on all 150? Yeah. And I'm like, well, just tie it. I mean, how about if we just staple it? She goes, no, no, no. Details, details. It's got to be right and pretty. But here's the beautiful balance. Is they, they just have all this. And, and like Mary, they are serving but the balance is they're doing it not because it's got to look perfect. It's because we want to bless the women. It's the, it's the outcome. It's the result. And that is amazing to me. And I feel about that big every time I, I laugh because they, they, they have the great balance of they are not distracted by all the serving. It is actually the serving that is coupled for the Lord. And it's just a great balance. So we need to be that way when it comes to the, the innocent blinders, if you will, the distractions that can just get in the way of day in, day out of life. Um, so Psalm 119, verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways so that everything we do to prepare for a Sunday service, everything we do for the men's and women's uh, services, Bible studies, and what have you, that it's for the Lord. It's, it's because of the Lord. Everything is detailed and prepared and working for the Lord and not for man. So this idea of dealing with our, our spiritual blinders is understanding something here as we looked at that, that word, um, to come out and to separate. You know that word separate. I'm bring this if you're taking notes. Separate that word afferizo. That word afferizo, which means to mark off, set boundaries and what have you. It's used in these areas. Um, Matthew 13:49. It speaks of the separation, the afferizo of the wicked and the righteous. That's the kind of separation we're talking about when we're saying I need to get away from the things that I'm doing that are wrong. I need to separate. In Matthew 25, it says, uh, it speaks of separating, aferizo, the sheep from the goats, heaven-bound, hell-bound. It, it also speaks of, uh, in Luke, where it says men will separate or ostracize us. They will separate from us because of Christ, follow, being followers of Christ. And then, you know what, when you're a follower of Christ and you're making the right decisions, you're going to find out who your friends are. You're going to find out who are the ones that aren't happy because you're not sinning anymore. And you know what? That separation there is good. So if you want to find out who your friends are, follow Christ even more 2024. And you will see, you will see some, the reality of where your alliances are. But Romans 1.1, it says, Paul wrote this, I am a bondservant, aferizo. I am a bondservant, separate, set apart for the gospel. That's our goal. That's where we want to be. That's how we need to separate from these or remove these spiritual blinders, deal with these spiritual blinders. Mark chapter 8, verse 24. And it says, remember, do you see anything? Step one or stage one. And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So he, something is happening something, Jesus touched him. He spit on his eyes. He's healing the man. And he asks him midway, do you see anything? I see people, 
But, so this restoration process, if you will, we talked about it the last time. We had a Wednesday night service, and we talked about Rahab. And we talked about this progressive, or this, the process of salvation, the process of growth when we become believers. We receive Christ, we follow Christ, and we don't become perfect. Actually, we never become perfect until we're in heaven. But we don't get rid of all the, the sin in our lives. We don't, we're not all polished and great Christians. We're learning. We're realizing that, oh, I shouldn't be using those words. I shouldn't be acting like that. Oh, I need to separate this relationship. All these types of things. There's a process. So case by case, for some people, it could just be a one-hour service. Do you see anything? And they receive Christ. For some people, it might be a couple of days as they ponder what they heard at the church service. I need a Savior. I know I would be going to hell based on the scriptures. And, and it would take a couple of days. Some people months. Some people years. Some people years until they're laying on their deathbed. So we see this process taking place here with, with this restoration. In Mark 8.25, it says this. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened his eyes. When he, op and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. The fifth point that I want to bring to your attention the scriptures say in Romans 6 4 to walk in the newness of life. It speaks of us being dead uh, uh, in Christ and, and that we will be like Christ and we, will, uh, we are to walk in this newness of life. And so here, this guy, this process has taken place. And it's interesting because Jesus touches him again. He, he, it, the, the beautiful process, if you will, take the time to think of this village. People are waiting to see what's going to happen. They bring this guy and he says, come on. He takes him away privately, and people are probably, where did they go? Where are they? What's going on? And he hits two people, and that's how Christ loves us. Where he works with, he doesn't get, okay, 10 of you guys, come on, let me talk to you. It's one-on-one, -on -one, Christ and you. And so he touches him, and he moves on this man. And the Lord's moved in our lives many times, and probably some of us here didn't respond multiple times throughout my life. And he say, do you, do you see anything? And so here, it says that he laid his hands on him again, and he saw everything clearly. Sometimes regeneration, even healings, physical healings, spiritual regeneration happens in stages. Sometimes it's like, you know what? My husband, he's, he's not a follower of Christ, but he's changing. There's something going on. He's, he's, he, now he's doing this or not doing this and my, my son, my daughter, my friend, my neighbor, something's going on. We need to seize those opportunities in 2024 that we see when people are responding, when they, we see that they, I see something, but I see what the Bible says, but we got to be there for the people, for that second step, for that second stage. You know, this miracle here is the only one recorded where it required, if you will, two steps or stages or attempts. And it's not saying that Christ failed the first time. I think, I believe, Jesus just was challenged in front of everybody by the Pharisees. Show us a sign, and then we'll judge who you are. We'll find out who you are, if you say who you are. And Jesus goes on and warns, watch out for the leaven the Pharisees, the leaven. Watch out for those little things. Watch out for the distractions. Watch out for the things that can plague you. They're little things and they can add up. On the heels of that, I believe he's showing something of how that leaven could work. And he's opposite and showing how we can, in stages, grow. How in stages we can learn and realize. And so it's wonderful that we see here, this is actually the only recorded um, miracle that we see taking place in stages, I believe it's a lesson. This guy is restored. This guy is restored. He regained his sight. So at some point, that means he became blind. He wasn't always blind, this guy. 
And so there again, we need to guard ourselves and deal with whatever it is that's distracting us from Christ. You love Christ. You go to church. You serve ministry and what have you. But there's those other areas that are just blocking a full picture of Christ. That we need to remove those blinders so that we could see him in his fullness. Otherwise, we put those up and we can become blind. We can become blind by allowing spiritual blinders to be placed in our lives. And as I mentioned, Romans 4 speaks of walk in the newness of life. So number five is to walk in the newness of life that he's given us. The newness of life. The new, a newness of trust, hope, joy for 2024. He has provided so much. He will provide so much. But oftentimes we're blinded to it because maybe we're holding back somewhere in our lives. Walk in the newness of life. It says here that, and, and I want to point this out about this, this, this healing. Or I see people, and then he goes on and says, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. Saw, that Greek word is diablepo. Diablepo means to look fixedly, stare straight before one. He was focused. He now had vision, but focused vision. Everything, hapas, in the Greek means all, the whole, all together. He saw everything. Man, when we remove blinders from our lives, we see all of Christ and all that he has for us. All that he might have for your loved ones that you should be ministering to, but not, aren't fully equipped yet because you're blinded to some things in your own life with Christ. He saw everything whole, all together. But here's the word clearly. Telagos. Telagos. Telagos means clearly. It means it's, it's coupled with this, with at a distance. So it means that he saw things clearly, but at a distance. Now, like right now, I, I could see, right now I could see clearly. And then when I look out, I can't see clearly from a distance. But he had full vision. He had complete vision. And it means like in advance. Man, I'll tell you, when you follow Christ, when you surrender to Christ, your future, your hope, your understanding of Christ, you can see clearly. And you could see at a distance. You can see that my life will end well in Christ. I'm riddled with this. I, my legs don't work. My vision's gone. Whatever it is, my health, my family, things that my marriage. But you know what? In Christ, I can see clearly that I will be okay. I will have eternal life. Romans 15, 13 says this, speaking of having hope for a distance for 2024, at the very least 2024, but our, our life before eternity begins with the Lord. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where it comes from, the power of the Holy Spirit. I could be a, a, a motivational speaker and get you all fired up for 2024 and, and hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And you get all fired up. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to walk out of here and you're like, wow, this 2024 is not really working out. And 2024 may not work out for some of us. I mean, some of us may not see it through. We might die before then. So with the Lord having this hope for 2024, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to be prepared for it. And to be prepared for it, I need to have this kind of hope. And it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 8, 26. The last point. The last point is this. Avoid spiritual blinders. Look at verse 26. It says this specifically. From spiritual blindness to spiritual insight, if you will. Mark 8, 26. And he said to him, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. 
Here he is again, Jesus being private, and he's saying, don't go back. Don't go back to all those distractions. Maybe the Pharisees were going to be there. Maybe the people were going to be like, how, how is it? Wow, is it because we did those things over you and our new age stuff, and that's why you're healed? Maybe it wasn't him. Get away from the distractions. Don't go back there. Go to your home. You see what took place here is what we see in James 4.8. What does James 4.8 say? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That man was brought. He needed to be brought. 2024, there's a lot of people that we need, that need, we need to be part of their lives to bring them to the Lord and draw them near to the Lord so that the Lord, when they are together, they can be saved. But here, Jesus is given specific spiritual instruction. Don't go back. Don't enter that village. Don't go back there because that's where all the distractions are. That's where all the things that didn't work for you. In our lives, we don't want to return back to the world because that didn't work for us. We know it didn't work for us. Oh, there was fun here and there and there, but didn't work for us. Ultimately, that, that sight, that vision, that hope of eternal life is there waiting for us in Christ. So he's given the spiritual instruction. He's healed. He's saved. Or for us, when we're healed, we're saved, and we're following Christ, or we're convicted by the Spirit, our eyes are open. We're no longer blind. You can see now. And the question comes up, so now what? Now what are we going to do with what we've heard today? Is it going to be a decision for Christ if you don't know Christ? My prayer is that it would be. To recognize the world is going to fail you, the enemy is trying to trip you up, distract you, and cause you to burn in hell. The Lord wants to rescue you and save you from that. And he, he's, he's here, and he wants to deliver you from that kind of an end. We need to keep the spiritual blinders off. If it's realizing, you know what, I, I know what I'm done wrong, 2023. I know what I did wrong. I know what I'm doing wrong. It's not a matter of, okay, tomorrow at, at midnight. It's now. It's now that I'm going to take those blinders off. I'm going to remove them. Jesus sent this man home to avoid spiritual distractions or blinders. And it's interesting, he sent him home. Perhaps it's like, dude, look, you can see now. You know who I am. I've healed you. Now go to your home, not there. Your home, your household needs you. They need what you have. And when we experience Christ, we need to go to the ones in our household and to be there for those that we love. And so I see this guy getting a ministry handed to him. And so we need to, lastly, avoid putting on spiritual blinders this year. Don't repeat the mistakes you've made. Life teaches us from our mistakes. And if we don't bounce back and, and learn from them, we're going to end up repeating it. So we need to keep the spiritual blinders off. And let me end with these two passages before we pass out communion. And I'll read these and they'll be on the board. Is now what? Now what do we do? Well, Proverbs 4.20 outlines it beautifully. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Think about where you're going. Am I going to go back to the distractions? Think about it. Ponder the direction you have in your life right now. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And lastly, Psalm 19, verse 9. And Psalm 19 is your homework for 2024 to read and, and, and allow the Lord to equip you with it. But in verse 9, and I'll share this verse only with you, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Living our lives according to his word. Brothers and sisters, I, I want to leave you with this before we, we're going to pass out communion right now. Is We can all fall into the habit of putting on spiritual blinders, taking them off, putting them on. But let's be decisive. 
Let's separate from these things, as with scriptures that we just saw. That we separate from them, and we, a hard and fast separation so that we can grow, we can be blessed, we can be equipped after, when the hard times hit. So this 2024, looking at this passage and having people in your life that you need and being that kind of a person and allowing the trials of whatever takes place to grow us and to improve our evangelism and how we represent Christ and be serious about dealing with spiritual blinders in our lives, all of us. And, of course, walk in that newness of life, hope, trust, joy, and go forward avoiding those spiritual blinders. Don't turn towards them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the leading of your Holy Spirit, how you take us by the hand. You figuratively take us by our hands, by our hearts, and you lead us away from the junk. You lead us from the ways of the path of destruction, and you bring us to the path of life and hope and joy. And Lord, I pray that you would, each person here, with our hearts bowed, Lord, that you would use the, this, this incident here that took place to recognize that we all need to continually grow in our lives. And Lord, help us to be real with you and to be decisive and to allow you to have your way with our hearts. This morning, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that is saying, I can see, but... Lord, I pray that they would see clearly that right now you would place your, figuratively your hand on them and touch their spirit, touch their soul, and allow them to know that they can see fully, clearly, and know that they have a future in the distance if they surrender to you. I pray that they would do that right now, Lord. And for us, Lord, who are following you, I pray, Lord, that we would be real with you and begin to remove the blinders and find out what blinders we have by checking with the some people in our lives that will be honest and loving with us. Lord, have your way with us, our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.